It was really by developing a faith life that I've had the confidence to go back to endurance in a way where I know it it, it won't be destructive. And, and it's kind of like, because there's a foundation that's deeper than, you know, whether I run or bike and, and finding worth in God, not because of something I do, but because who God is, that's really been the only way I've been able to go back to endurance. So like this last run, I didn't feel like I was pushing by myself. I felt like God was leading me towards this. And if he's, if he led me to it, he could help me through it. So that's probably the biggest change for me. Today on The Climb, we are joined by Katie Spots. I am really excited about this guest. It's a little different, a little pivot for us. Let me just throw out a couple of things that stand out in the career of Katie Spots thus far. She's run 11 ultra marathons in 11 days. She has a world record for rowing across the Atlantic Ocean, five Ironmans, 325-mile river swim, 100 miles nonstop in under 20 hours. And those are just the tip of the iceberg. She's been featured in Forbes magazine, Sports Illustrated, CNN, NPR, The New York Times, and The Joe Rogan Experience. Katie, welcome to The Climb. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, we're going to have a little different format today. I'm unfortunately not joined by my normal co-host, Bob Wirma, but we've got a wonderful fill-in, our actual podcast editor, Johnny Peterson. Welcome. I will uh, try and fill Bob's extremely small shoes. <laughs> so, Katie, before we jump in to everything that I just laid out, I want to back it all the way up. Tell us about where you were born, how you grew up. Just give us a little insight into the beginnings of your life. Yeah, so I am from Cleveland, Ohio, originally, and uh, I think we were kind of free-range kids. We kind of went off, climbed trees, got dirty, played night tag, and as long as we were home before bed, my parents were a little bit hands-off. So I, I, I would say that my upbringing was a little bit more creative and free-spirited, and um, I have two older brothers, so always had to try to keep up with them. But um, I'm in the Coast Guard now, so I do move around quite a bit. But but Ohio will will always be uh, home for me. You know, that's interesting. I've thought about that a lot, too. I grew up in a in a small rural community outside of Austin, Texas. And I remember begging for a Nintendo, like right when they came out. And I was like the first kid that got one. And like you, we played outside all the time. We built forts. It was all about imagination and being outside. And I remember playing Super Mario Brothers for so long that it like it impacted my dreams. And I started having dreams about Super Mario Brothers. (laughs) And I never I didn't play Nintendo again until like college. Like I just that creativity that you can only get outside with your friends and having parents that say just go outside and play, I think has a profound impact that a lot of the kids today that have grown up with iPads and watching so much stuff and getting so much content from their phone that they don't get from the outside experiences 
is certainly a different way to grow up. So, I mean, dive a little bit more into what that was like as a kid and how it has shaped your mindset. Yeah. So I, I would say one of the best things that my parents ever did for me and my siblings is they gave us access to try new things and they didn't pressure us to, I mean, not that they didn't want us to try our best, but they were more interested in us having fun. And like, I did do sports, but, you know, I bounced from basketball to soccer to, you know, and I tried ballet and gymnastics and I really liked that no pressure and that made it more like exciting to try different things and there was no pressure or stress to perform and if we didn't want to, you know, do it anymore, it wasn't really a big deal and I think because we could kind of develop our passions and our interests in an organic and unstressed way. I never, you know, was pressured um, to perform or do anything other than have that experience. So once I reached middle school and things started getting more competitive, not with my parents, but other parents, and that's kind of when I checked out and was like, wow, I'm here for fun. You guys are stressed, really stressed out about this game. I don't really care that much. (laughs) Like, so, so there was, you know, a period in my life where I was just like, I was more a bench warmer. Um, one thing started to get more competitive. And, uh, when you sit on a bench, you, you start to believe it's because you belong there. So by middle school, I was like, Oh, I'm just not a sporty person. I definitely enjoyed movement. I checked that one. I crossed that off the list as being a star athlete just because I didn't really develop that competitive drive until much later in life. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, you, you've got to be the the poster child of that type mindset because like I'm getting all geared up for the Olympics, right? I mean, we're going to have our, our big opening ceremonies Friday night. And so they're profiling all of the, the women uh, gymnastics and you see that at age three or five, they're identified as a better cartwheeler than anybody else. And they go down this insanely intense path from five to six to seven to 10 to 12 to even think about an opportunity at getting to the Olympics. And your mindset was completely different, which was, I'm just kind of hanging out, trying all these different sports. It got a little bit too competitive early on. So I'm going to take a back seat. But then fast forward and something ignited in you to turn you into one of the most extreme athletes I've ever had the pleasure of sitting down and talking with. So how, well, how does that work? I don't believe it, but the reason why was because I was forced to take a class I didn't want to take and I got extremely bored. So this <laughs> this came out of extreme boredom. Okay. So I had to take a gym class to graduate from high school. And, um, by process of elimination, I was like, definitely not going to do team sports. And I even tried to petition out of it because I felt like it was a waste of my time. And I was like, well, maybe the doctor can say I have a, a, B, a regular BMI or I, I was just dragging my feet. And then I saw a walking running class. And, and so I, I was just like, okay, well, I know I could walk. I want to put in the bare minimum just to get my easy a and keep 
keep my GPA. And, and that's all I was seeking out of this class. So I show up the two or three times a week. And after the first week, I'm just so bored because it's like an indoor track. And, and then other people were running and other people that I didn't think looked like quote unquote runners. They just looked like average everyday people. And so out of boredom, and then maybe you could even say judgment for me and my judgment on what a runner was and wasn't, that boredom was just like, well, I'm forced to be somewhere I don't even want to be. I might as well try to run. And there was something that that class afforded me, which was the ability to try without the pressure that it would let someone else down. Like I wasn't going to let down teammates. It wasn't, you know, no one was going to win or lose. And so I did run one mile. I was I didn't know how to like pace myself. I thought it might physically, I didn't know it was physically possible or not. So I, my strategy was go as fast as I can because I thought I might tank out. And so I didn't pace it, but I, you know, I gradually got slower and slower and slower, eventually made the mile. But people say, oh, just one mile if they go for a mile run. And just one mile is all it takes for you to start to re discover and redefine possibilities because before that run, I, you know, I wrote it off as, oh, I can't do athletic things. I can't run. I can't, that's just not, not me. And so that one mile was enough to make me wonder, okay, I, I limited myself. I said my body wasn't capable. So what are all the other limits? And so it really pivoted from that moment on to instead of assuming what's not discovering what is. And so that's the seed. And with that, you know, one mile that opened the door to marathons and ultra marathons. And, but it all goes back to that one, that one class that I tried as hard as I could to avoid and then ended up discovering, you know, one of the, the greatest like passions. And so I think that's really cool that sometimes the things that we avoid are the very things that we need to and to do for our own growth and transformation. So it, I definitely wasn't like, you know, two hour marathon. It was, it was from where I started to where I am now. It, it just, you know, doing your time and training. And I think my upbringing made fun a priority. Like, I did recently run 341 miles and (laughs) yes, I wanted to reach, you know, the goal. And it was like part of a Guinness world record attempt and a charity fundraiser. So I had my fundraising goal and I had the, the fitness goal, but as a personal goal, I, I really wanted to love running. I didn't want to outrun my love of running. And finding joy and doing these things is, is also a priority. And I think that's just kind of what I learned from growing up that having fun and finding joy. And I, even when I was on Joe Rogan, I was giving David Goggins guy a hard time because (laughs) he has way too many endorphins (laughs) not having some fun. I mean, he takes it so seriously. Right. Yeah. And I think truthfully, if you look at the science of it, endorphins are like a natural high, a natural drug. It's so true to have a runner's high. And, and so 
she should be having some endorphins. And so there is real joy and fulfillment and it's not all hard. And yeah, I, I, I definitely admire athletes that can be in intense pain and yet still smile through it and keep their composure and not let it win mm -hmm. to an extent. Like, yes, you can feel pain and you can go through hard things, but you don't need to show it. Katie, you mentioned the a lack of desire to compete. And when you're growing up being on the bench, that kind of that combined with the competitiveness of the parents bickering back and forth kind of killed your love for team sports. I think the argument could be made that an individual sport such as an ultra marathon puts even more pressure on you individually. It's not spread out across a team where you have teammates that you can rely on. As someone who didn't really have that competitive spark, why do you think that you had that draw to individual competition versus a team competition? Okay, so I think one of the the joys and the gifts of endurance is like, you know, obviously if others are finding intense joy and fulfillment in team sports, it's not to minimize or take away that. However, I will say that I've never done a baseball, basketball, volleyball game, and I've never answered questions like, you know, is this possible? You're going to win or you're going to lose. And in endurance, you're answering questions of, is this humanly possible? Are our bodies, could they withstand this? And, and so every time I do an endurance event, it's a test of human, like, possibility like what and and yeah so I, I i've never been in a team game and thinking is this possible but every time i do endurance it's like possibility i right. i think the drive and the curiosity to know what our bodies are capable of doing um because we're told things and then we get to find out if if they're true or or, or not and you know, a lot of people do say to me like, oh, I could never do that. And I said, I mean, my biggest thing is I thought so too. I mm -hmm. thought before I did these things, I didn't think I could. So just because you think you can't doesn't mean you're right. It doesn't mean it's true. It's just, it's um, a question mark until there's an attempt, a try. I don't know. Like you hear about stories about, you know, it, say a mom needs to protect her child and there's this like fight or flight reaction and like you kind of get in touch with this superpower and ability that we have. And sometimes I think endurance puts us in touch with some nature we have fight or flight to achieve things that are um, superhuman or unthinkable or um, yeah. And um, endurance endurance opens a door to, to that kind of world as well. I did have so much adrenaline during the last run that like, like you said about waking up and having those dreams. Sometimes I felt like I was running in my sleep. And I think that's just kind of like, I was such in fight or flight that mm -hmm. even at night I was just so amped and so filled with adrenaline. And so, um, yeah, that's another another cool part of endurance, but I don't necessarily feel 
more pressure as much as I feel more excitement. Like, I think it could feel like pressure, but for me, it, it, it doesn't. Now that makes a lot of sense. You know, an interesting perspective that just kind of came to mind um, that I'd, I'd love your comments on is that, you know, you, you seem to gravitate away from the team sport aspect, which most people, at least growing up, are involved in that team sport because it's it's just something you do or it's part of school or it's part of curriculum or you're peer pressured into being on the baseball team or whatever. But as you look at how you evolved this this mission of yours, it kind of has become a team sport because of all the people that you have around you to help support these initiatives, whether it's and I want you to go into the details of this, whether it's the the trainers or the people following you or the people behind the scenes supporting the various nonprofit missions that you're, I mean, you've created a team around your endurance. That's so true. And like with any of these endurance challenges, especially because there is a bigger purpose. So all the endurance challenges have raised funds for clean water projects. And um, to date, over 30,000 people have received clean water, um, a swim for water, ride for water, row for water, this past run for water. And yeah, it's been teaming up with schools or businesses, rotary clubs and for this last adventure, it was uh, supported. So that meant that I had a friend following in a van and and making sure we were meeting up every five miles. And um, there's a lot of people behind the scenes. And maybe it's just, you know, friends that I check in with and give me their input. And, and there's a lot of people that these endurance challenges touch. And I, w- I was looking the other day and I think there were maybe 300 donors, um, over the last year, year and a half. And, and so, and some of these donations have come as far as New Zealand. And so it's, it's really cool to know that we're all on the same team in terms of helping create a world where everyone has access to clean water. What's a good website that people can go to if they're interested in checking that out? We'll put that in the show notes. Yeah. So my um, website has a donation link and it's uh, Katie Spots, K-A-T-I-E Spots, S-P-O-T-Z dot com. And um, for the last campaign, we set a target of like 34000 for for um, $100 every mile that I ran. And we did end up surpassing that, but we um, bumped up the target to 40000 So we're maybe 500 away from, from that new, that new, um, target goal, but all of the funds go directly to H2O for life. And, um, for this past camp campaign, it was to help 11 schools get, um, clean water in Uganda. Wow. That's incredible. So, so unbundle that a little bit for us. I mean, why, why water? Why, how did that mission of this whole life cycle of what you're doing now come about yeah well why not water right it is pretty (laughs) it is pretty important i mean you think about all the needs we have air shelter but like what can we do like there's 
I mean, I found out about the water crisis while I was living in Australia and they had a drought and I started seeing things like rules on when you could water your yard or rules about whether you could wash your car. And everyone was in this perpetual state of fear, all these major headlines about the the water shortage. And so that was something that I couldn't ignore that it was so in my face and, and I'm born and raised on the great lake. So water was something I always took for granted. I never went without. Um, and it was during one of my classes when one of my professors mentioned that the wars of the future would be because of water. And that one sentence, it was like one of the things you can't unlearn. And it brought about a million questions like, at the time, it was 1 billion people. Now it's it's more like 785 million. So it is going down. Yeah. But I was very um, shocked that we have planes, we have technology, we have medical advances, we have all the technology at our fingertips. And yet people are drinking dirty water. Mm-hmm. And, and something about that just felt so wrong. And 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 the more i learned the more i saw that wait this isn't like putting thousands and thousands of dollars and hoping that research will you know find a solution there are solutions and there are proven ways to to make it better and so i think once i found out the extreme need and then the cost effective ways that are really changing and helping change communities. And there's a lot about clean water that is really a, like it's getting to the root cause of many other issues. Like why, why aren't kids in schools? They're collecting water. Why aren't kids in schools? They're sick from drinking dirty water. Why Mm -hmm. are all these hospital beds? What about all these health problems? It's because of the water. Why are women unable to start businesses? It's because they're fetching water. So I think it was, if you care about anything, it's, you can find a way to care about water because water touches all life. So it's hard not to want to do it. That's really inspiring that you're doing something with your time like that. And the level of humanity that you're showing to, to people that you don't even know is something that we, especially in America, need a lot more of these days. So I commend you on that. You mentioned all of this water or the money was going to go help kids in Uganda. Have you been able to travel over there and see kind of the fruits of what that money's been able to do and see the looks on the faces of these kids when they are getting access to clean water? Yeah. So a year after rowing across the Atlantic, I had an opportunity to visit Kenya and I I spent a month with the charity and I had a chance to help build some of the projects. And then for like speaking and some other events, I had an opportunity in India and South Africa to visit some of the water projects. Um, I definitely like some of the nonprofit partners, if they know a guest is coming, they'll like really, they'll display a lot of gratitude, but I wanted to have a more organic experience. So I, I definitely was more a behind the scenes kind of observer just because I wanted to connect with the community. And, and so 
it, I mean, the first time I went over, I was completely overwhelmed, um, just seeing the extreme need. And it was one of those moments where I was like, well, we helped one person, but for every one person, there's a hundred people. And it, it, it made the, 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 the problem seem a lot bigger when I was there, but it was really, I saw kids and I was, you know, heading home from the projects one day and I saw kids and they were, um, making toys out of, of trash. And Mm. I, I just remember being like, okay, they're making something of nothing. And they, they like something about that made me think about all the schools back in the United States that, that wanted to, to do something. And so, um, through one of the trips, it really helped um, fuel another idea to get schools involved. So I came back from Kenya and we, we launched a schools for water campaign and challenging 10 schools in the U.S. to help 10 schools in Kenya. And if they reached their target, they were going to um, be invited to break a world record. So together, um, with those 10 schools, we raised a hundred thousand and to celebrate, we, uh, we broke the world record for the most people carrying jugs of water on their head, which <laughs> wow. in Kenya. but it was, it was really like, it was important for me to go. I didn't go to Africa or South America to, to visit water projects beforehand, just because I was like, why would you spend thousands of dollars to travel and thousands of dollars to just go to the water projects. And so I never really felt like it, 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 I needed to do it until after the first, like a hundred thousand was raised and, and to learn more myself. You know, another thing that really strikes me about you and your, your mission and your passion, there's, there seems to just be a, a formula around everything that I'm I'm interested in gaining some insight. Like it's 325 miles. It's a hundred miles nonstop. It's so many jugs. Of, I mean, some of them are to break records, but how do you come up with the numbers behind it? Is that a team effort? Is that just a driving? Like where, where does that part of it stem from? So someone did ask, I mean, it was, I laughed about it. She asked like, who's telling you to do these things? Like, <laughs> where, where is this coming from? Like, is, do you have a coach or they, and honestly, I don't have a list of like top 10 things I want to do. I have, I, I definitely have one adventure that is one that I'd like to do in the next year. But, um, a lot of them just happen. I, I I feel like they find me, and similar to the the water like mission and cause and passion, it found me in a classroom, and and just having that um, curiosity. And so, this past adventure was in Ohio, and that was something that I think you know we. It can be easy to think that like oh, adventure it needs to happen when I travel a thousand miles away from home and instead, especially because I move a lot with the coast guard, I really wanted to go back, back home and do an adventure. And I have done like a multi-day swimming one, a multi-day cycling one, a multi-day rowing one. I've never done the multi-day 
multi-day rowing, but not multi-day running. Mm-hmm. And so that's a part of, you know, human endurance that I haven't, you know, uncovered. And, and, and traditionally it's like swimming is the least impact, then cycling, then rowing, then running, or, you know, it, the greatest impact on your body and your joints and your muscles is running your VO2 max is the, the highest running. You're most likely to get injured running. And so I, I haven't ever done a day after day running event. And so I think it was something that I wanted to see, you know, how it would be different from the other endurance sports. And it was an idea I had for years to do a run across Ohio. Um, there is a nature trail called the Ohio to Erie trail. And so it also made, made it easy because it's, you hop on the trail and it was pretty well marked and it was like a tunnel of trees. And, and so that was definitely a highlight for logistics and planning to just kind of hop on the trail and stay on that course. Is it hard for you to take breaks? Like think of, you mentioned David Goggins. I can't imagine him trying to stay home for four days and not go work out or run. You're doing such high volume challenges. Is it difficult for you to take a week off and not do anything? Do you feel like you go stir crazy? What, what's your mindset during those downtimes? I think I'm okay because... <laughs> You're just too tired. Right. <laughs> well, I... I think I love running too much to go right back to running because I know my body, even if I don't feel like resting, it, it still needs it. And there's something to say about the mental fatigue of running six or seven hours a day because you're just so focused. So I think keeping that mental focus for that many hours is also taxing I find it to be very difficult to work out unless I have a reason, a goal. So I've been doing endurance challenge for challenges for 10 years and I it's really hard for me to remember a time when I wasn't either recovering or building up for what's next. Like if I'm going for a run it's because it's part of a plan to test my body in a in a very specific way. So, and I probably won't do the same challenges twice because my, one of my primary motivators is like curiosity. And once I know something's possible, I'm like, Oh, okay. And I, I accidentally tried that with the Coast Guard because they're like, Oh, only three women have been, um, rescue swimmers. So I trained and trained to meet the requirements to do it. And then as soon as I met the requirements, I was like, oh, I just want to know if I could do it. I didn't actually <laughs> want to. And so like I've even qualified for the Boston Marathon and I haven't done it because it's more about I just want to know what what I can do in this body. And um, that's kind of once I reach that or once I understand that and I think what's also really cool about like this last adventure and all the adventures is there's always books and reviews and testimonials and, and everyone has an opinion. And, and I love adventure because 
I didn't read about anyone else who ran across Ohio because I don't even know anyone else who ran across Ohio. (laughs) I don't either. (laughs) (laughs) And I didn't really want to know because I wanted to have my own experience. And yes, like it's good to test things out beforehand. Like, you know, what gear you're going to use and fuel and, and have a general idea of how your body works under pressure, that kind of pressure. But I think what's beautiful is having experiences that are so pure and unknown and, and not necessarily reading the book about it beforehand, but just going and doing it. I love that part about it because every day is just, Oh, I wonder what will happen. Even if it's something that isn't, you know, pleasant, I wonder how my body will feel. I wonder. And, and, uh, that's, I feel like that's worth waiting for. And that's, you know, I, someone was asking about like whether I wanted to quit and every day, you know, just being able to face the day and, and, and say, I wonder what, what today will bring. Um, I didn't want to miss out on that. So you've mentioned like curiosity and mindset and wonder quite a bit along that line. You know, the, the, the scene in the, in the movie Forrest Gump keeps coming to mind where he's been running forever <laughs> and then he just stops. Right. And he turns around, I'm done running or whatever his little saying was <laughs> like, do you, your curiosity mindset does ever switch to go like, if, do I get to the end of these things? I mean, how, where does that drive and oh. mission to just keep coming and reinventing and pushing another one and coming up with another world record or another fundraiser, how does that perpetuate? Like, what's the end game? I probably will be moving my body in in some way in endurance until I die, right? Right. Like, I, I see that happening. But my biggest goal is to circle the entire planet by human power alone. So that's cycling, swimming, rowing running and maybe uh, some rollerblading in between. It would be an extension of rowing across the Atlantic Ocean. So I rode from West Africa to South America along the equ- near the equator. And um, I would like to cycle from South to North America, cross the Bering and continue cycling um, for like, you know, a three or four year journey. Um, and along the way, visiting water projects, getting schools involved and funding, funding more water projects. So I, I, I am in the Coast Guard and my commitment ends next year. So that's something I'm looking to begin starting next November or December. So um, that's, yeah, that's probably the biggest adventure I will ever do, but, um, there's, there's reasons why I've not pursued it yet. Um, just because in my, my twenties, I really liked the idea of doing Ironmans and, and pushing and, you know, trying to go faster. And, um, now, and I was doing a lot with endurance. And I wanted to know, can I do more outside endurance, meaning like professionally and and wanted to establish a little bit there um, before kind of, yeah, going in, in, in that route. Um, 
just being a little more grounded beforehand, I felt would be an important thing to do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that, that fight or flight mentality you touched on is something I've thought about a lot because in, in the instances that that's occurred in my life, I have felt that different level appear, you know, whether it's the, the adrenaline or just the, the mental fortitude to be focused in that moment. Probably the biggest example that occurred, you know, you talking about not knowing anybody that had run across Ohio. I've read about it, but I don't know anybody that, uh, that has stepped on a stonefish like I have and gone through that experience. And if you do any research on stonefish, it's the most poisonous fish in the world. What? The likelihood of death through cardiac arrest is pretty high. And so I didn't know any of this at the time when I stepped on the stonefish because <laughs> I hadn't researched them at all. Um, but I was on uh, an anniversary trip with my wife and was out paddle boarding around in this lagoon uh, in Fiji and came back in and stepped on this stonefish. Didn't know what it was. Didn't see it. Just something pricked my foot. And fast forward oh several hours and I'm in the most intense pain I've ever been in. Wow. The whole world is turning black and I can see this tunnel coming down and all I can see is my wife standing there and freak, you know, I'm trying to be strong because I don't want her to freak out. But this cycle of pain that lasted for like nine hours, somewhere in the midst of that, I had a mind shift that just said, I'm, I'm going to make it. I'm going to be fine. And that never showed up any other time in my life. It was like I was faced with this situation that I could give up and just say the pain's too much and probably have gone down the path that the people didn't make it. But I said, you know, not on my watch. This is not happening. Well, that was, I don't know, seven or eight years ago. My pain tolerance is way higher than it ever was. And I just have this mental mindset now that whatever the challenge is, I'm going to figure out how to get it. Like it's shifted everything that nothing is too hard anymore. And is, yeah. is that kind of what you experience in the, you know, tail end of one of these runs or, or any of these endurance challenges that you just, your mindset is that there's no way I'm not going to make it. I think what happens during these is like, I mean, there's a lot going on in my early challenges. I would say the biggest barrier or hurdles or um, setback or would be feeling like, you know, wanting to quit or feel just feeling the pain or I mean, a lot of runners call it the pain cave. And um, I think through doing all these endurance challenges, one thing that I've been encouraged by is knowing that you can feel like that and you can't and it does get better. Usually, no matter how bad it feels, it does pass. And so I used to take those those moments personally, like, oh, am I not strong enough? Did I not train enough? Like, and kind of get wrapped up in that. And now it's just, oh, this is a natural reaction to doing something very challenging. And um, really, the only reason you would quit is because you feel like quitting first. And so through endurance, I've learned that I can feel like quitting. And then I still have the choice of what to do. And 
I, I understand that there is definitely a, a difference between pain that means injury and pain that just means fatigue. And, and I've been able to identify that and, and kind of know when and what are signs that you don't want to keep pushing. But I, I was listening to one of the Ironman competitors and, and they were talking a lot about how we have like this internal governor that's like warning, warning, pain, stop. But it does that sooner than is mm-hmm. like as a way to protect ourselves. But you can kind of you can push it further sure. it a little bit. Yeah. And so I do hear the warning like most people when things are hard. But I also can say, all right. I'm going to keep running anyway. (laughs) (laughs) That's nice. I hear what you're saying, but I got this run to go on. So keeping it on track with this kind of internal voice as you're doing these challenges, you mentioned the runner's high and I'm, I'm in no way, shape or form a runner, but I've felt the runner's high. I'm sure Mike has felt it too. Have you noticed as you sort of up the difficulty level of these challenges, has it become harder to reach that runner's high, does it take longer to get there when you're running or are you able to tap into that right away just because it's, it's almost like breathing to you? Um, so some people are like, Oh, I could never run, you know, like I hate running, running three miles is miserable for me. And I'm like, yeah, it usually is for me too. Like (laughs) the first three to five miles, I really don't like like I am, I think it takes about 20 minutes for me to settle into my body, to feel warmed up, to kind of get in that zone. But the longer I do this, I think it's kind of like the longer I go, the more I enjoy it just because, um, it's exciting and, and you get to answer the questions of like, Oh, could I go further? And, and kind of one of my challenges last year was running like 140 miles nonstop. So it was like 30 some hours of running without resting. And, (laughs) um, I did kind of feel like, Hmm, not too excited about the first 30 or 40 miles because it's (laughs) like, I know I could do it. Now I just want to see, you know, where the real, it's like kind of where the real drama is Mm -hmm. because not in a, yeah, just the, the high and the lows and the, you just get to feel more. Yeah. I think the real fun happens after you're in it for a few hours because that's, that's when, you know, things could go either really right or really wrong. But generally I've always, even on the shorter runs, I always feel better after than you know, having gone on a run, mm-hmm. um, I've never regretted going on a run. And, uh, well, your definition I, of fun is very different than our gen- <laughs> definition of fun. <laughs> Do you have an addictive personality? I guess so. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, if, you know, yeah, along the same, the same theme of this runner's high and, you know, uh, endorphins or a drug, like, if you weren't, I, if you weren't doing this, it, do you know enough about yourself that you'd be addicted to something else? Um, I, my, like in my family, there's definitely that in my like genetics. So 
I would probably be a good candidate for other, like, but I think, you know, I think maybe in my twenties, I'm 34 now. I think in my twenties, I, I, I could see when it was a problem, like, um, you know, being so tied to a training plan that even if I was traveling, I would just kind of push through it. And sometimes training out of like, like feeling like I had to rather than I really wanted to. And so I was doing like Ironman for after Ironman after, and sometimes multiple Ironmans in a year. So I did get a little bit wrapped up in, in that. And I felt like I started to, um, get burnt out but yeah that's just something was there a mindset shift at that point where you said you had to kind of stop yourself and say hey i'm i'm not enjoying this anymore i'm doing it because i've been doing it so long i feel like i have to keep doing that what what did you shift internally in order to bring that this passion of yours back to a level of enjoyment and not a necessarily a need So in my mid twenties, I hit a low and it was really hard to, to shake it. And it, it came to the point where, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pushing this challenge, that challenge, but I'm not necessarily feeling any better than I was before I did it. And, and then I was in such a funk that I was, you know, in, in a, in my kind of depressive state that I was like, well, I have clean water and yet I still don't feel fulfilled. So who cares about even clean water because they're going to be where I am and I'm not even, that's how lost I was. And so I set a goal to not do endurance challenges for one full year. Mm -hmm. And during that year, um, just, going out with a friend one night and she was sharing faith with me and her faith in God. And it was expressed in a way that, you know, I knew rules and religion and, and she was sharing something about relationship. And, and up until that point, I, my identity was how much I accomplished, how many miles I ran, how many people I helped, how many dollars it raised. And, And so my identity was that, and it's hard to enjoy anything if your identity is it and your identity depends on it. And so it was really by developing a faith life that I've had the confidence to go back to endurance in a way where I know it, it it won't be destructive. And, and it's kind of like, because there's a foundation that's deeper than, you know, whether I run or bike and, and finding worth in God, not because of something I do, but because who God is, that's really been the only way I've been able to go back to endurance. So like this last run, I didn't feel like I was pushing by myself. I felt like God was leading me towards this. And if he's if he led me to it, he could help me through it. So that's probably the biggest change for me. And, and I used to think like, um, Oh, you know, what if I don't succeed? And now it's like, God's not going to judge me on an ability that he never gave me. So I don't necessarily feel the burden of 
failure because if he's the one who gives me my abilities, he already knows if I'm, if it's going to be a success or failure. So, um, it definitely, uh, lightens the burden of, and I think, you know, who are you if you fail is a hard thing. I mean, that's, I think the challenge seems like it's running, but it's also, you know, no one wants to be labeled a failure. No one wants to be seen. And especially all these things, doing them very publicly. So can we, can we expect a, a couple spinoff charities then and nonprofits like Miles for Mary or Jogging for Jesus kind of deals in the future? Oh, I've never heard of that. Is that a real thing? No, I just was, I just came up with those just now, as you were mentioning the, the faith aspect. Wait, well, I want to hear those ones. Jogging for Jesus, um, Miles for Mary. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> those are good. Yeah. I like those. I, yeah. Do you think that um, with this kind of transformation in your faith life and how it's reinvigorated your passion for the endurance challenges, do you feel like God is calling you to incorporate the charity aspect into these challenges? Yeah, absolutely. I feel like, you know, the endurance challenges, it, it's listening to a call. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't create the call. I'm just listening to the one that I can hear. And, and, you know, there's tons of books about what a calling is, but for me, sometimes a calling is the thing. Sometimes it's the thing I, I am avoiding, like the, the thing that I'm resisting and the thing that I don't feel prepared to do. Well, Along those lines of, of reflection though, because whether it's at 34 or I'm I'm 44 and I'm really starting to think about and you know this was a a quote my dad left me with um I lost him last November uh, to ALS and and he wrote me this letter that talked about you know you're reaching the old age of youth and entering the youth of old age which was really impactful to me and so I've started thinking about like legacy and what am I going to leave behind and how do I leave things better than I found them and what am I instilling in my children that hopefully they'll carry forward and instill in theirs. And so with all of these amazing accomplishments that you've achieved, like what would you say to listeners of ours on this podcast or followers yours, like to teach them if they were interested in this, how do you go about doing it? So I mean, one of my encouragements, like, because everyone has a very unique call and everyone has a very unique purpose for being here, like, I think it it does require some of that reflection and listening to whatever call is 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 on you. So, I I kind of believe that people generally have an idea, but are almost waiting for permission or for the confidence to do the very thing that they might feel called to do. Um, But the good news is that no matter what direction you want to go, chances are someone else has gone there. So I'm all about asking other people, you know, I know I said for certain adventures, I like the unknown, but that doesn't mean I I don't ask people about fundraising and sponsorship and some of the things that are a known and are 
things that um, there are ways to do those things that if you simply ask, um, you could save time and you can, you know, gain insight from, from others who are, are walking a path that's been walked before. So, um, there's that, um, they're surrounding yourself with, with resources. I, I definitely started a lot of my endurance challenges thinking that, I needed to figure it out all out on my own. And now understanding that the impact is so much greater when it's a team effort and, and other people are invited to um, give their strengths and talents and um, input. But I think the final thing really is if you're feeling called to do something, it probably means you are meant to do it. And that doesn't mean you're going to achieve or succeed at that, but it means that it's going to put you one step closer to whatever that thing is. So I, I mean, I, I hear no's all the time with like, you know, donations or sponsorships. And it, for me, it's just, Oh, that's just one step closer to the yes. And so I think anytime you're doing something worth doing of course there's going to be resistance and of course that's part of the process but it um it makes it all the more worth it in the end and um as long as you keep going you're probably going to get there it might not be as fast as you want but sometimes it's just a matter of every day putting one foot in front of the other yeah so we're coming up on an hour and, um, I've got a couple more questions that we usually like to wrap up with, but, you know, in thinking through, uh, our mission about the climb crossroads and defining moments and, and everything that we've talked about and, and your accomplishments and, and where you're headed, like, what else do you want to hit on in our time together? I think sometimes it's easy to, you know, see other people doing things and, and, and have the assumption that, you know, they could do it, but maybe I, I can't. And, um, a lot of people that have done things that you want to do have felt and thought that way too. So I guess one of my like personal encouragements is just to challenge your own thinking, challenge your own thoughts about what is possible. I I have one last quick question for you, Katie, and you're, you know, free to not answer it if you don't want to. Um, if you were to take sort of the black-pilled perspective on the future generations, like we talked about earlier, kids are growing up on iPads, they're growing up with their heads buried in screens, they're not spending as much time outdoors. The future of American kids specifically growing up to be an athlete like you doesn't look as bright as it did 25 years ago. What would you? What would your advice be to parents of young kids who they think these, my kids should be an endurance athlete. I think they would love to go run 25 miles when they're in high school. How, how would you encourage parents to encourage kids in the next generation to be inspired to do what you do? Well, good luck. (laughs) (laughs) It took me going to a class that I tried to petition out of. However, that's only to say that um, there are bigger things at play and 
my parents, first of all, there's nothing they could have done to make me do something I didn't want to do. I mean, I was the candidate for like kids on leashes because of how (laughs) wild and didn't listen, running around. And so um, I think, you know, parents are always doing the best that they can and just trusting in themselves and, and, and knowing that, um, there is something bigger at play and that it, in life, rarely do we have a one shot to chance. Usually life will give you that chance over and over and over again. So yeah, just continuing to create opportunities without pressure is probably the best way for anyone to experience things. And I know I'm very, very stubborn. So, you know, I would have never, it would have never worked for me for someone to be like, Oh, you should run a mile. I'd be like, no. So yeah, I don't know. I, I I think, um, creating an environment where it's inviting and not pressuring is, is some, something that, could be helpful and, and doing it yourself. I mean, sometimes the best, um, example is not what you say, but what you do. So, um, yeah, maybe you should go for a run if you want your kids to. Yeah, there, there you go. go. There you <laughs> go. So, so along that line though, of, of the next generation, um, you know, obviously there's been a lot of, of, of news, uh, lately with, um, space travel and it becoming, you know, a thing that, Certainly today, it's more of a billionaire's game, but you can certainly see that changing. Do you see endurance possibilities in space? I I don't see it. I I've looked. I've listened to some you know TED talks, and it seems like they have problems with not moving enough. Rather than like, I don't know. I was looking at how they stay in shape and things like that, but. Um, maybe, but I feel like there's enough on planet earth to keep us busy, but who knows? There's, there's enough challenges to be completed <laughs> to be down here. here before we get up there. I think you, the longer you're up there, your bone density decreases yeah. the longer you're up yeah. there. But I, I mean, I think that would be crazy. Like, a an endurance orbit. Yeah. Or, you know, just figuring out the the gravitational aspects yeah. on another planet but then you know hiking a mountain there on the or, moon or something yeah right. <laughs> you know what, what? Yeah, wait, what's the only one there's the guy who like did a skydiving the from, red bull like, the red yeah. bull one yeah. yeah oh my gosh that that just gives me chills every time i watch that it's terrifying i think that's the only thing I don't know. You got to ask Red Bull. Maybe they have some plans. An endurance jump. More yeah. plans for outer space. <laughs> well, if if anything today, Katie, maybe we've given a couple of bullet points around faith-based uh, um, charity options now and runs and endurance in outer space. In outer so. space. This is a very different <laughs> climb episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so one of the things, Katie, we like to to ask as we wrap this up, if you think about and this is one of the things we're also passionate about with this podcast is this medium to just capture your story and your why and your passion, which you've done a beautiful job of doing today. And there's the saying out there that it's not what you know, it's who you know. And we flip that around and say, it's not who you know, it's who knows you. And so with this medium, this podcast, your followers, our followers, what do you want people 
to know about you? I think whenever someone is doing something really hard or challenging, it could be easy to like not see yourself in them. And um, I hope that, you know, humility is something that I could stay grounded in and, and yeah, having the ability to encourage people and, and, yeah, let them know that I struggle the same, same ways. Maybe it's not in running, but, um, I think we're all just kind of figuring, figuring out life and, and the ups and downs because like, I think there's this assumption that you have to have everything figured out to do the, the, the hard thing or do the thing that you, you always wanted to do, or, you know, start the business or start the school or start this new project. But, um, even for, for, for me, life is messy and you can still strive for more and do more even with the mess of life. And so it's not because the life circumstances are perfect, but you can, you can make it work despite that. And persevere. Do you ever get like that though? Like where you think, Oh, it has to be a certain way before this could happen or that could happen. The stars have to be aligned before you can yeah. make that leap. Yeah. And and they sometimes will never align. And they more and often never do. It's it's no. it's really all about the only thing stopping you from reaching that goal is you actually putting your first foot forward and then taking the next step and the next step. That that is what is the thing that needs to be aligned is you actually doing what you want to do there's there's really no other roadblocks in the way yeah and if you think about your faith and in the path that that god already created for you all those things are just noise and obstacles it's Mm -hmm. just your ability to stay on that path and see it all the way through and that's what you're doing there is another interesting quote and it goes something like I used to be afraid of failing and now I'm afraid of, I'm more afraid of succeeding at things that don't matter. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I think that one's worth thinking through too and reflecting on just because I mean, culturally, I think, you know, we're told things on what matters and what doesn't matter. And, and you could succeed at, at things that don't matter while failing at things that do sometimes the things that aren't as obvious or um, able to be calculated or measured. Yeah. Well, look in, in a world that is full of religious wars and socioeconomic wars and have and have nots and business riches and business failures to stumble upon somebody like you, Katie, with your your passion and your drive and your mission um, is just so refreshing. So thank you so much for spending this time with us. And we'd love to have you back and hear all of the new things that you've accomplished. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of The Climb. If you enjoyed the episode, please consider subscribing. And if you know someone who you would think would enjoy the podcast, feel free to share this with them. Thanks again, and we'll see you on the next episode.